Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Academic Life Channel here on New Books Network. I'm your host, Dr. Dana Malone. Today, we'll be talking to Alex Schmid about her experiences as a graduate student finishing a master's and job searching during the pandemic. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Um, Alex, I wonder if you could begin by telling us a bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, So let's see. I'll take it back to the very beginning. Um, I think something that's super important for me to always introduce myself with is that I grew up in a biracial household. Um, And so I've just been blessed with these different um, experiences and cultures. So my mom is Mexican. She's the only one from her family who is in the United States. Um, and my dad was born and raised in the same hometown that I was. So I think I've got some pretty strong roots, whether it's locally or internationally. Um, but besides that, like I said, grew up in the same hometown my dad did. So that's um, in Southeast PA, probably about 20 miles outside of Philadelphia. Um, kind of grew up, um, Dana, like you were talking before, we started hit record. Um, that type A student kind of always did what I was supposed to and um, had a stellar high school career. And so I uh, didn't want to travel too far from my home, but I went to Temple University in Philadelphia, grew to love the city, and I haven't left since. Um, so that's a little about me personally. But currently, I'm working at the University of Delaware with Spectrum Scholars through their Center for Disability Studies. It is a college to career initiative for students on the spectrum. So I work with um, eight first year students. And I work with them up until their graduation. So it's pretty awesome. I don't think there's a lot of programs like that out there right now. And just to be on the program side and hearing all the research and initiatives that are coming from it is really exciting. And I think I'm in that perfect spot, Um, you know, entry level, but also here's what we can do. Here's what we can share to the community. So really, really blessed. Um, But other than that, career-wise, professionally-wise, um, I love being active. Uh, one of my favorite things to do is just walk around the city and explore all the different communities and the cultures that are within this one area. I uh, love hiking, love being outdoors. My parents have two dogs, so I always like going back home um, for those for those dog days and dog moments. Um, what else it is? I like crafting. I think that's been my silver lining of the pandemic. <laughs> I've been at Michael's far too often. I think they recognize me there now. So, but yeah, that's that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, mm-hmm. It does sound like you're in a, a great role where you said, you know, it is entry level, but at the same time, it sounds like you're doing um, some really um, cutting edge kind of work. And so you're able to share those experiences with other uh, professionals, which is a really exciting place to be in. So um, why, maybe you talked to us a little bit about why you were drawn to pursue a master's in higher education. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> It's funny, even though this is my first professional role, I think I've had quite the career journey. Um, And so pretty similar to my high school career, I'll say, I think being that type A overachiever, you know, what what else could I go into college for except pre-med, right? And so I was going to a lot of the STEM heavy schools for uh, college, college tours and, oh, what does your program offer? And I was getting admitted into these. accelerated programs, you know, six years, five years, and you're good. Uh, So I went specifically for physical therapy. Um, I was an athlete in high school, 
And my junior year, I had three concussions <laughs> in a matter of a year. And so just being in the PT um, sessions and seeing everyone rehabilitate around me was really cool. And I really liked that environment. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. And then I got to college and I had an awful, awful first year transition. Um, I think I just came in overconfident and um, I was afraid to ask for help. And I, that's on me. Um, and I think when I came home, I had so much pressure to love the school, right? All my friends are coming back. Oh, I love South Carolina. Oh, I love USC. And I was like, oh, I also love where I'm at. But that wasn't, that wasn't the, the truth. <laughs> I loved the city and I loved Temple, but I wasn't really loving my first year. And so I was in a living learning community. And when I reflect back, I think that's what really started it all. Um, so we, it was through the Campus Wellness Center. Um, and originally, I had joined because I didn't drink at the time. Again, just being that type A, I was kind of scared to do anything, <laughs> any partying or anything like that at the time. Um, but what happened was it ended up um, being a community for students in recovery. Uh, but people just kind of took advantage of it for, you know, the sweet style living and all the other benefits that come with the live, living learning community. Um, and so I really learned a lot um, from students who actually needed the resource as opposed to me who's just kind of voluntarily there. But because of that, I was spending so much time at the wellness center um, that I eventually became a peer mentor or a peer educator, excuse me, there. And then they also had some paid student positions. So that was my on-campus work study job. And I know when I look at it on paper, I'm like, oh, it's just a work study job. But I was spending all my time there. I was working. Um, every time I would come to and from classes, I'd be there. My two roommates also ended up working there. So that was really home base on campus for me. And then I guess the confidence I got and the connections I got from being a peer educator really let me see all the different ins and outs of higher ed and student affairs. And so one day, I think it's my senior year, my uh, supervisor, supervisor, who was the associate dean of students, is walking by. And I grab her hand. And I'm like, hey, I want to do what you want to do. She's like, OK, that's great. Let's figure it out. And she put me, um, she directed me to her office. And she's looking through NASPA. And they have the NASPA Undergraduate Fellows Program. And I remember I met with her on like a Wednesday and she was like, oh, this is really great. I think you'd be a perfect fit. I'll be your mentor. It's due Friday. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, never mind. Thanks for your time, but maybe we can do something else. And she was like, no, no, you are sitting in this office and we are going to do this application right now. So that was really awesome to just have such a go-getter um, and, you know, someone who was supporting my newfound dream from the start. And so we ended up getting accepted. And so what that did was it allowed me to um, be her mentee, which was wonderful. And she really allowed me to connect to different resources on campus that I might not have myself. So I remember the one that was super interesting to me was disability support services, because I had never interacted with them as a student. And I just wanted to know more about their advocacy work and what it meant to be there. And so I think being full circle now that I work with students on the spectrum, um, that was really the most influential meeting that I had. And so, again, this was senior year, so now it's spring, and I'm like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe maybe I should go get my master's, because I wasn't getting the job searches I wanted. I was a public health major, but my internship was more in a nonprofit educational field, which I loved. Um, 
And then there was that higher ed piece too. So I was like, well, great. I don't, I don't know. Do I want a master's of public health? Do I want a master's of education? And so I ended up applying to a few of each program. Um, ultimately, it came down to Temple and Westchester University, which is where I'm from. Um, and Westchester had the better deal. Um, I wasn't in a position to take out more loans. Um, and Westchester was just a more affordable option and I could keep home. And you know, that's not to say that I didn't love their curriculum because I did. And it's very strong. And I mean, I'll talk about it more later, but they have such a social justice lens that really merged both my public health backgrounds and my interest in education. So it was just all around a perfect fit. Um, so really, I think if you bring it all back, that living learning community really helped me uh, survive, really, my freshman year, my first year. Um, and then it, I guess it influenced me that much that I kept going. Thank you. Thank you for sharing part of your story. Um, I have a background in student affairs as well as a practitioner, and I am always um, just, it's just fascinating to me always to hear student stories of, you know, those impactful experiences. And a lot of times for a lot of students, it is the, you know, those kind of student affairs, co-curricular experiences that really um, shape them in some significant ways. And I love to hear those. So, so thank you. That was uh, very fulfilling for me as a, as a student affairs person. Um, so um, if you would uh, maybe talk to us, um, well, I'm trying to think about which way I want to go with that. Um, let's do this. Let's go, let's go back in time a little bit, if you will. Um, let's go back to last March and the moment of the shutdown. And um, I believe at that time you were finishing up, you were in your last year of your master's program at Westchester. Um, what was that time like for you as a graduate student finishing up your master's program? Yeah, so I was just talking about this the other night, too. Um, as we're nearing the year mark, I was at, I was in Nashville for the ACPA annual conference. And I remember touching down back in Philadelphia on the plane and checking my email because, you know, what else does a grad student do? And um, the announcement from the university came that they were shutting down and we were one of the first schools to make that call. And so I was like, Oh, that's a little early. Like, you know, there weren't that many cases yet. And it just seemed really odd. And so I remember looking at my calendar and so I came back on a Friday that next week was spring break. And then they said, you know, we're going to push it back two weeks and then everything will be open again. I was like, okay. And then, you know, as we, as we experienced, it kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. And I guess around late March, early April, I realized that I wasn't going back. And that was very bittersweet, I would say. So logic, logically, not logically, <laughs> logistically, um, I lived an hour away. And so I was like, oh, this is great. You know, I don't got to spend gas money. I can just work from home. There's no commute. This will be fine. You know, I was kind of happy about it. Not going to lie. And then um, as, how do I put this? I'm trying to think chronologically here. As I started to realize that things weren't going to open and then suddenly we were online learning and shifting. And while I have a very um, do what you need to do kind of mentality. And so I was like, okay, this is fine. I'll just online learn. But then I logged onto that first Zoom and I could see all my classmates' faces and they were just so 
overwhelmed and scared and we just didn't know what was going to happen next. And I think the uncertainty of both finishing up a master's program, but then finishing up in a world that we don't even know what's going to happen or can we connect and can we have those on-campus interviews and are campuses even hiring? It was, it was scary. It was scary. And I think because when the timing of when I got that announcement, it hit me more suddenly than I thought it did. So it was, it was, yeah, it was just weird. (laughs) I'm trying to remember all the feelings, but I just remember being kind of overwhelmed, excited because I didn't have to commute. And then I slowly realized, oh, all these campus resources are shifting. A lot of my friends didn't know if they were going to have the funding because of what their offices did. I was at the time a graduate assistant for off-campus and commuter students. So we were luckily already kind of virtual in that manner and connecting to our students um, in those different ways. Um, but to see, to see everyone else's reaction made me realize like, oh, this is serious and, you know, what's going to come next. Well, and it sounds like too, and I, I've talked to a few people now, um, you know, in the context of, of doing an episode, um, the pandemic perspectives like we're doing here. and um, And I think that sense of this is temporary, you know, kind of at first, like, like maybe you had that first reaction of like, oh, okay, here's some benefits, right? Like I can save on gas and I don't have to commute. And so this is temporary and I can do this. And then there's this kind of like slow, but not slow realization that this may, and I think it was slow. I think a lot of us, and I have heard many people either in my own personal conversations or, you know, here on the show, talk about that of, of this, like, oh, it's two weeks and then it's two weeks more. And then it's two, you know, and so this, like, you know, it's just incremental. I used to be a runner in my twenties. I'm not a runner. Um, and so I, I liken that to, for me, running was like, just get to that stop sign, you know, just get to that stop sign. And then it was like, get to the next stop sign, you know, get to the next. And that's kind of how it was like, just get to that next thing. And then it was like, okay, two more weeks. And, and it just kept stretching out. And so it, it sounds like for you, it was sort of this, there was that initial, you know, response, and then it starts to sink in, right? This isn't just temporary. This is looking long-term and what does that mean? What does that mean for funding? What does that mean for, you know, job prospects and what that's going to look like? And and we are going to talk about that. Um, And so I think, you know, I've, I've heard similar sentiments from a lot of people in that as we go back to that time now, almost um, a year later, we are at the end of February, 2021 recording this, um, episode and we are we are coming up on the year um anniversary which is why we're doing these pandemic perspectives um to kind of process this collectively together right as as um we're kind of all you know making sense of this last year um so you know and you may have already answered this so looking back on that now almost a year later um as we're still in the throes of the pandemic what stands out to you about that time last spring mm-hmm. um A lot. (laughs) Definitely the uncertainty that you were saying. Mm. Um, And I remember, I remember feeling very lost in the sense of, um, you know, I was all, and I, what I've been saying about, you know, my high school and transitioning to college, I was always that type A student. And then all of a sudden I was pressing in on my work. And understandably, the professors, um, we had that two week hiatus really rearranged their syllabi. That way we only had to worry on about our thesis. And so when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, I just get to write about what I want and it'll be fine. This is the last thing I have to do before I graduate. And I just couldn't do it. And I think it was just because I was so 
worried about the world around me, right? I live in a city. I live in a high rise where a lot of older individuals live. And so I was thinking about them and I was thinking about, you know, should I be going out to the grocery store as much as I am? And um, over the summer, my parents got both had COVID at the same time. So then, you know, thoughts about my brother. He's only um, 11. He's in fifth grade. So I was like, does he see his friends? Is he going to school? Um, My grandma at the time was at the hospital and um, that was really weighing on me Um, being where the university is and where the hospital is. You can take a shuttle bus. And so I've seen her a lot right before everything shut down. Um, and sadly, she passed away last fall, not due to COVID. But, mm. you know, looking back, I really cherish those times um, before everything shut down that I had with her. And so, yeah, I think just seeing how normalized, you know, oh, I forgot my mask. Oh, this is my car mask. And this is the mask I wear that goes with this outfit. And I really like that they're accessories now. <laughs> I will say that. Um you know, how normalized it is and six feet away. And I know to follow the arrows in the grocery store now, it was just such a scary shift right from the beginning. And now it's just kind of like, well, this is life. Like, let's continue and let's do what we got to do. But I don't think anyone obviously saw saw how long it was going to last here. Hmm. Yes. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about your grandmother. Um, It's hard to lose anyone close to us, um, but also in the middle of you know, a pandemic is especially difficult. Um, I know a lot of people are not able to gather and and mourn together. Um, just so much around that. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, I hear what you're saying though, in terms of the, yes, I think, I think the thing that stands out for a lot of people was just that, um, almost daily uncertainty of how everyday normal experiences were going to be different every day. Like I, I tell the story of like, you know, every time I went to the grocery store, I didn't know what the protocol was going to be. And one time I remember showing up and the line was around the building um, for Trader Joe's. And I had to text my husband to be like, okay, this like, you know, I had two young kids at home and he was trying to work and be on calls. And I was just going to run out real quick by myself, not taking them. And I was like, this is going to take me. Like, I have no idea how long this is going to take me. And so, you know, just that every time you went out, you didn't know. And then, oh, like you're, yes, you're going the wrong way down an aisle. That's now one way. I mean, it was just like all this stuff you were like, okay. And every time was different. Um, It was like a daily, change. And um, so, yes, I I, I definitely resonate with that. Um, I know one of the things that you've been thinking about and writing about is the structure of graduate programs. Um, Has your experience as a graduate student throughout this pandemic impacted your thoughts on cohort cohort versus community models? And if so, how? Yeah, for sure. Um, So that was something that I really reflected on uh, when the pandemic first happened. And so kind of similar to how when they first shut everything down, I was kind of happy and kind of seeing the silver linings. And I don't, I don't want to say I was happy because obviously I was understanding that a pandemic was happening and this is a serious matter. Um, but, you know, there were some positives that happened in my life because of it. Um, but I remember kind of being over the cohort model in that you know, suddenly my cohort was, oh, you're going to, you know, this is unprecedented times and you're going to be the Zoom university class and the university of COVID-19 and the class that had to deal this virtually. And I was like, yeah, okay, I get it. (laughs) Right. Like I'm, I'm here. I am doing the work. I understand this is an odd time in our history. Um, And I just remember, you know, everyone was kind of in the same boat and I was just, I was just over it. I, and I think that led to my isolation and why I procrastinated a lot on my thesis. Um, 
which was very unlike me. It was just, I, I felt almost inundated with support, which was great, but it was also like, okay, just let me do my own thing. And so as I started writing, uh, my thesis is on, which is very evidently um, influenced by my own personal experience, but it's, it's based on a living learning community for students in recovery based upon what I went through that first year, just being a student that was living in them. And so, you know, here I was saying, oh, I don't want to identify with my cohort at the moment. Oh, but also I'm writing about community. And so the more I think about it, cohort, if you look at the definition, it uses the word bond. And I felt that bond was forced. It wasn't this, how do I say it? It wasn't this natural connection. It was just, here's a group of 40 individuals who happen to be graduating at the same time as you go. Whereas I think a community is that natural support system and you find your community within your cohort, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think the positive sides of the cohort are that off the bat, I now have this network of professionals who are probably dealing with the same things I'm dealing with, whether that was during the job search or being at that entry level and not knowing how to navigate that. Um, But again, I, I felt that at the end, it was a little too forced. And I think we all knew what we had to do to get to the next step, but it was just so overwhelmed, almost like a helicopter parent, kind of mm. <laughs> like, oh, come here, cohort, you know, let me, let me support you. Let me make sure nothing happens. But I think we need to find those natural pathways instead. Yeah, that's a good analogy. Um, Thanks. <laughs> Um, well, it just, it, it really brought it home for me in terms of how you're describing it. Uh, that, that makes sense to me. Um, so so thinking about, you know, that time, um, what did your graduation experience look like? It was on Zoom, okay. <laughs> um, of course. And so another silver lining, right? We could invite so many more people than we could, or even um, now that I think about it, my, my grandmom saw my graduation and at that point, um, you know, her immune system wasn't up that even if they did have it in person, there was no way she could attend. Hmm. Um, I was able to invite people that I worked with throughout my career. So I invited um, someone from every institution I worked at, every internship, you know, just really thanking my mentors and, and my circle along the way. So that was really nice. Um, but yeah, it was it, it, it was great. It was nice. It made it definitely more intimate. It was just our program. Um, but it definitely wasn't what I pictured. I'm a first gen student. And so, you know, I, I dreamed of that moment of walking across the stage, right? Like one of my favorite memories of Temple was my graduation because I saw my family there and I held up my degree high. I threw the hat, like I did it all. And I didn't get those special ceremonies for my master's. And so I'm at home, um, with my partner and (laughs) we ordered food in. He helped me um, put the hood on and stuff. And so that was really nice for us. Um, but it was just different. Something I did like, though, that my my program did was we all got a special moment. So we got to be the highlighted feature speaker on Zoom. Um, and everyone said a quote that really resonated with them. Um, so mine, it's actually one of the resources I shared with you, too, Dana, is um, from The Opposite of Loneliness. It's by Marina Keegan. Um, I read that book my senior year of undergrad. Um, She was my age, so she was 22 when she was killed in a car crash, but she was Yale's valedictorian, and so her her speech went viral that year. Um, And she talks about 
there's no English word for the opposite of loneliness, but if we did, that's what I feel here. And that's what I feel with this community that we've now cultivated. So that was, that was nicely my choice of um, quotes to share, just because I felt like, you know, we can't be in person. We're not having those special moments, but here I am with you all on a Zoom um, going through what you're going through and we're still finding ways to celebrate the special moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, there seems, I mean, obviously that's a theme with this whole time. Um, and, and these interviews, um, you know, that there are challenges and things that losses, um, that of experiences and people and all kinds of losses, but then also there are, you know, opportunities that come out of it that, you know, wouldn't have been there. Like, you know, being able to invite all of those people, um, and your grandmother being able to witness that, that moment for you, um, but the moment didn't look or feel, um, how you anticipated it, um, or we're, we're looking forward to it being, um, so kind of along that same line, um, how did the pandemic and the remote scenario impact your sense of closure from your graduate experience and attain, and you kind of spoke to this a little bit and attaining that milestone that you've been working toward for years. Um, do you, do you feel like you got a sense of closure? Do you feel like what, how, how do you, how do you make sense of that whole idea of closure with the way that your, um, masters ended and the graduation ceremony and all of that? Yeah, for sure. It's funny when I remember logging off to the Zoom, turning to my partner and going, well, I guess that's it. <laughs> right? Like, the, I don't have to go back to class. I don't have to do any more homework assignments or writing pieces. And um, so I guess the closure was physically there. And then I logged off and I shut down a laptop for the weekend, but it didn't feel real. Um, and I, I guess it speaks... A little bit to that procrastination piece as well, right? Like I wasn't in class. I didn't have, I love being in school. And so I didn't have that motivation, I guess, or I wasn't connecting like I used to. And so graduation kind of felt the same way, right? Like, okay, <laughs> what's next? And so even the job search, I gave myself a few weeks just to enjoy as much as I could graduation and being done. Um, but even then it was like just a un not being as motivated as I usually am for that next step and trying to get the job search. And, and I think like I touched on earlier, right? Every, every website I looked at, Oh, we're having a hiring freeze or, Oh, you can, you can apply, but we're probably not going to get back to you because limited staff hours or our office is uh, short staffed right now. Um, so things like that, I guess that uncertainty didn't allow me to have as much closure as I would have liked. And there was no, I mean, I guess we're always in transition, but there was no clear, okay, off you go that I would have liked. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you can, you can make the argument we're always in transition, but there are, you know, there are milestones in life and, you know, finishing a program, graduating, you know, those are big milestones, um, that, that we do associate with certain rituals, um, if you will. And, um, those, you know, definitely were not possible this past year and and for many still are not going to be possible. But I I want to circle back to something you said and just and maybe just comment or unpack that a little bit more. But you talked about, you know, you said, I love being in school. And I and I um I recall the conversation we had uh before we taped um a few weeks ago. Uh, um you you said something to me to the effect of, you know, it you realizing like, oh, I'm not going to go back like back to campus, like in that time 
in during the shutdown when it kind of started to sink in that wow I'm I'm literally not going back to my campus I'm not going and I'm imagining that meant like I'm not going back into the classroom I'm not going back into these spaces these physical spaces that have meaning and that represent like school and education and all those things who that or that matter to you know you said you love being in school you're type I'm the same way I I have a um a very deep affinity for old 1960s um, smelling education libraries. I love, I, I wrote my dissertation in many of them from, you know, uh, I I spent time in Georgia writing. I spent time in Kentucky writing. I wrote part of it up here in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia um, in some of the Catholic colleges around where I was living. At the time, I, I, I wrote in Northern New Jersey so my parents could watch my son. I mean, I wrote part of my dissertation in many states in many different libraries, but I love the old stale smell of a library <laughs> and ed libraries, especially. Um, so there is, there is an aesthetic to, there is a, you know, to physical space and, and there's meaning in that. And it is inspiring when I think back to my own program and, and moments, um, I think about the physical space. I envision myself, I can feel myself in those libraries or in those classrooms sitting around the table from certain people, um, and having, you know, just lively conversations and engaging conversations. And so, um, so anyway, when you said that it resonated with me a few weeks ago, and I think that's the sentiment you were talking about when you said, I, you know, I miss being in school and that contributing, um, to maybe that sense of procrastination of maybe it's not as inspiring writing that paper, you know, at your kitchen table <laughs> in your family oh, home absolutely. or in your apartment <laughs> or whatever, than sitting in, you know, an academic library, um, that you associate, you know, there's associations, right. That we make with spaces and smells and music and all of that. Um, and so, you know, there's, that's, I, I just wanted to acknowledge that because I think that's a really, um, interesting and valid, you know, um, points to make and, and resonates with me personally, because I'm very much the same way. Um, and, you know, and we can, we can kind of maybe circle back to this a little bit more as we talk about, cause I, cause I do want to have you talk about, you know, life right now, but I do want to talk, um, a, a, about what that's like. And th that that's part of, I think for a lot of people with the work from home scenario, right. The work from home, study from home, your physical environment is, is just different and is confined and it is not necessarily always conducive, right. To, to doing your best work, um, to having the resources that you need or the space, like the physical space you need. Um, I remember that I, you know, I, I blocked out, I, I, for an entire, like two months of the summer, um, I had the little conference room in my, my university's ed library and it had a big whiteboard and I would just model out my stuff, my analysis, like every day as I was writing, you know, and like, just, you know, it seems simple, but you know, that, just having like the, the space and the quiet to like spread out and do my thing with all my books and my, you know, and eat my lunch in there and just have my own space it was really important and really valuable for me. Um, but that was me. And I knew other friends could never write in a library. It was always too quiet. They're like, it's too quiet. I have to go to a coffee shop. I never <laughs> write in a coffee shop. So, you know, we all have our spaces and the ways that we work best. Um, and so, you know, it's being very challenged right now with everyone. And so I, I, I appreciate you sharing that point of, you know, this is who I was and this is who I am. I'm, I am a go-getter student and I love school, but yet I found myself procrastinating um, and, and thinking about the, the contributing variables to that um, reality for you. Um, so I want to talk about the job search. You kind of started to talk about that. So let's, let's, let's spend some time on that. Um, talk to us about your experience of job searching during the spring and summer of 2020. Oh boy. <laughs> that was a time. 
Um, and I want to acknowledge that it's it's a difficult time to be in, whether in a pandemic or in the non-pandemic normal world. Um, but as some of the listeners may know in higher ed, the standard for um, job interviews is to have that all day on campus. And you typically start out with um, the director of the office, and then you have the staff meeting, and then you have campus partners, and then you meet with students, and then um, you get to present and then close it out and get the tour and all that. And so I did one of those um, in person. It was where I had my internship. Um, so it was kind of comforting. Even though I didn't get it, I had, you know, I had one under my belt and I did it in front of people that I knew and that I worked with for a year. Um, and I was comfortable and that really boosted my confidence because that was in January. So I acknowledged that was super early for a job search. Um, and I'm grateful that I got to have that on-campus experience just so I could see the ins and outs. And I knew how to prepare. Um, I got that presentation experience in. And then as things were shutting down, I even remember I had a phone interview when I was in Nashville for the conference and um, they were like, oh, so just so you know, we're not, we're limiting travel. And so it's probably going to be another phone call. And I was like, well, that's weird, but okay. And then, you know, little did I know that was going to be normalized. And so again, I think it was really disheartening um, in that places had uh, hiring freezes. They didn't know what was going to happen. I think higher ed uh, search terms are ridiculously long anyway, let alone, we don't even know when we're going to get back to you. We don't even know if we can hire you right now. Um, and going through Zoom or going on Teams, and this one's going to be a phone call. And then, uh, you know, this one's, I had one um, one woman offer FaceTime. And I was like, well, that's very innovative. Thank you. Um, but it felt so odd to do something so professional on something so informal. Um, but I kind of like that, that blend a little bit too, right? I think it makes it more human. Even before we started recording, I said, oh, sorry if you hear some dogs, but, you know, now we're used to pets popping in and, and kids popping in and people walking behind you and all those things. And so I like that, not that, how do I say it, recognizing that we're human as well as a professional. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember I, I had to stay local at the time just based on finances and stuff. And so I remember everyone was just going nationwide searches, right? Just to find things that were even open. And maybe um, in less dense areas, campuses were still in person and therefore they're hiring and they need people. And I just couldn't find anything in our region. And there's so many schools out here too. But I just wasn't getting any callbacks and I got really frustrated. And so I, I poured my heart out into my part-time job at the time, which was that um, educational nonprofit that I interned for in undergrad. I had kept that um, throughout grad school, which was really, really great. And they were so supportive. Um, and I was helping K through 12 females specifically um, with their coursework and, and professional prep and whatnot. And so I, I kind of distracted myself with that, right? Like, oh, I have a part-time job. I can just focus on my time and energy there. And then it got to this point where I was like, no, I just spent the last two years studying and preparing to be in higher ed and student affairs. And that's really where my heart is. And so I had the conversation with my partner about, like, hey, I'm going to need to cast a wider net. And I called my mentors and I was like, I don't even know that I wanted to have that conversation with him. And it was really hard for us. Um, he's also in at the time he was also in school. So we were kind of both in this like what's going to happen next? And we already lived together. And so, you know, just being open with each other and having that conversation and 
we both acknowledge we're both that type A <laughs> professionally driven kind of person. So we were like, it sucks, but if this is what has to happen, it has to happen and we'll make it work. And so I remember casting that wider net and I still wasn't getting calls. And then one day it kind of built out of frustration. Um, I sat down and I launched out 53, I think, applications in a day. Hmm. I don't recommend doing that to anyone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't eat. <laughs> I probably stopped blinking maybe two hours in. Um, and suddenly I was getting these callbacks. And I think in one week I had like six interviews and it was, it was happening, right? And then ultimately um, I kept getting the call back for Delaware where I currently am and things fell into place. So this is definitely a, a tornado of a time, if you will, right? It, things just happen so quickly. Metaphorically speaking on this tornado, I felt that spiral <laughs> yeah. and I just had to, I just had to do it. So, um, so then you ended up um, at University of Delaware in your current role. Um, talk about, um, well, talk to us a little bit about the timeline of that and then talk to us a little bit about the onboarding experience that you had um, there. And what that was, what did that look like for you? And then what was that like for you, the onboarding? So I think I applied maybe April, June, and it was a quick turnaround, which I super appreciated. Thanks, Delaware, if anyone's listening. Um, But it was a phone interview with their HR and then a phone interview with the team. And then two or three Zoom meetings with different people on different days, which was really odd, right? It wasn't this go through back to back to back Zoom meetings. It was, oh, on Monday, you're going to meet this person. And Wednesday, you're going to meet this person. Friday was with the whole team. Um, So I liked that it was spaced out. Let me prepare. Let me take that breather. Definitely, definitely like that a lot more than the all day on campus interviews. Um, And so I I do want to tell the story about when I got the phone call. Um, So for context, I was driving a 1995 Honda when I... (laughs) I just turned it in like three weeks ago um, and it had a spare tire on the back. And so like this thing's just on his last legs, right? And I have minimal money in my checking account at this point because I'm only on that part-time job. I just graduated, you know. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling really down. I'm going to go get my haircut and my nails done, which I also didn't really, <laughs> I bit the bullet because of COVID too, right? I didn't want to be in that kind of setting, but I was like, you know what? I think I just really need this. So I wheel my car up a few, a few miles, really probably only like five miles, but it felt like it wasn't going to get there. And I get everything done and I'm talking to the lady and I'm like, I'm just really stressed. I'm not finding a job. And the minute I go down for the hair wash is when my phone rings. And I was like, you're kidding me, right? Like, this is the one phone call that I probably need to answer. And now I don't know. So I'm here. I'm not relaxed at all during that whole time with my haircut. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, I just really need this. And so I go back out to my car. It's really hot. The air conditioning's not working. And my super, my now supervisor's on the phone. He's like, Hey, you got it. I'm like, what? And I just start crying. I'm like, yeah, I don't even need to think about it. Like I accept. And so I'm calling on my family. I'm like, this is great. And I call my dad and he goes, Oh, and I can get a new car. (laughs) So that was really nice. Um, But the onboarding process was really it was really weird um it it was nice as much as it could be and I think being on zoom it was definitely more efficient in that you know on Tuesday from nine to ten I was with HR and then Wednesday uh we had staff meeting and then Thursday 
my supervisor left a to-do list of just things that I still needed to get done, check in with HR. So that was cool. Um, I started August 1, so that was definitely a tricky time to hit the ground running. And again, being so student-facing, I think I had maybe two, three weeks to get prepped and learn everything. Um, but I think, again, speaking to that motivation and and that sense of like to-do to do list and I'm a go-getter, it really helped me. Like I kind of prefer that I did start August on as crazy as that sounds. Um, but yeah, it's really odd right now. I love my team. I think we're a good group of people and we all kind of think pretty similarly. Um, and even when we don't, it's done very professionally and we get the job done and I love it. And I think we are, we all have similar goals as far as um, creating a more autism friendly campus and community and just to have that passion uh, behind the work is really inspiring and really great. Um, but I always make fun of myself at staff meetings. Um, one time I was in charge of an icebreaker and I was like, okay, guys, how tall is everyone? Because I just don't know. Right. So um, I did get to meet one of my coworkers and one of them I actually went to grad school with. So that was nice to have that familiar face. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, as much support as it can be right now over Zoom, it's, it's pretty good. Just really funny when you think about it. Yeah, it is. It is a unique time for sure. And that's um, partly, you know, the intention Christina and I have, um, who's my co-host with these episodes is we want to capture this moment. Um, And um, she's a historian um, and I definitely appreciate history um, and oral interviews. And so in a way, that's kind of how we view this, this, you know, talking to different people at different stages um, in the academy and having them talk about what life is like now, reflecting on the last year. And and it's a way to capture this moment because as hard as it seems to imagine, you know, in five and 10 years, this will be a, you know, a thing of the past and, and it won't be, you know, our everyday anymore. It won't be the thing that consumes us. And so um, it's, it's really important to capture these experiences and, and to hear people share what, what it has been like for them, um, what it has meant for them, how it's changed them, like those kinds of things. So, um, so yeah, so I do appreciate you, you doing that, um, and being willing to share your perspective. Um, so just, uh, we're, we're getting close on time, but I have a couple questions. Um, so, so let's come to the present moment. So you are working from home. Yes. And, um, you have not really ever been on campus since you started your new role, correct? Okay. So, so talk to us a little bit about what that's been like for you as a new professional. Um, you know, and you can share kind of what we talked about. I mean, there's been a lot of this, this theme is there, right? Kind of what you imagined it would look like maybe and, and the reality of what it is looking like in a pandemic. Um, you know, I'm sure this is not how you dreamed your first professional role, especially a very student facing role (laughs) would look like. I mean, I did that in my early career very much. I was in residence life. And so it's, you know, there's the buzz of the campus and students coming back and, you know, it's just go, 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 but there's a lot of excitement around it. And, and it's just very different than, you know, sitting in your home over zoom by yourself. (laughs) So talk to us about what that looks like for you and what that's been like for you as a new professional. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think what we were saying earlier too, about you know, I can smell the library and I can, I can picture the, the campus crosswalks and, and the statues and the old buildings. And I love that. And to not have that is definitely almost heartbreaking. And I think because I am student facing specifically with first years, um, a lot of them were home last semester. Delaware did open to have a few students live on campus. So most of them are on campus now. 
the last semester, you know, they were saying I'm not involved because, um, you know, the trying to think of a club, you know, such and such student club meets on Zoom at 8 p.m. Well, by 8 p.m., I've already been on Zoom for four hours. And so the for me, that's heartbreaking, too, because I remember, you know, college is supposed to be, especially your first year, it's supposed to be finding your friends and getting the slice of pizza at 2 a.m. Um, and so when I think about that too much, it, it I really get sad, right? Like, that's that's not the experience that we all had in mind. And so when I think about it on my end, like, this, is, this also isn't the experience I had either. I'm on Zoom all day. I'm at my kitchen table. I, I try to remember to stand up and walk around a few few times a day. Um, I think I've walked around my block thousands of times at this point. Sometimes I go the opposite direction to change things up. Um, but on the positive, and again, that goes back to, you know, the silver linings, um, besides the commute, of course. Um, I've, it, it has definitely helped me be more efficient and productive. I say that with a caveat um, because I do think people whether it's their offices or themselves are putting too much pressure on themselves to be productive during a pandemic. Um, and I see the articles about, uh, you know, parenting and, and being a professional and it's in a pandemic and what's my student schedule and what's my kid's schedule and what's, what's my schedule. And I just don't think there's enough grace in the world right now. Like we are going through a pandemic, <laughs> you know, things can slow down. Um, but what I mean on my side is being that new professional and new face on campus, I'm very, it, it's really helped me structure my days and in a weird way has helped me gotten to know other people on campus because then I'm like, okay, so this one block is dedicated to you and me, campus partner, and we're going to know each other then, or we're going to, we're going to have um, that next meeting scheduled. And so that kind of helps that like logistics step-by-step Part of me likes that process, um, but again, I don't have time to shoot the breeze with my with my coworkers. I can't stop at anyone's desk and and ask about, you know, did they see the latest Netflix episode of whatever. So give and take, right? Like it's it's helping me. It's helping me continually onboard. I say that six months in, but I do still feel like I'm learning so much. But on the flip side, it's it's hindering that that natural human connection that I keep bringing up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so final question here before we wrap up is um, what advice, if any, do you have for other graduate students who have or are about to, because we are now at the end of February, um, so I'm sure there are many um, cohorts um, looking at graduation um, starting who, um, who are about to finish their programs and who are job searching. And I, I recognize that some folks may have finished last semester or even last spring and are still job searching given, you know, the situation mm-hmm. in higher ed right now. So what, what advice do you have for them? The power of the intentional yes. I think as grad students, um, and understandably so, we are so either eager or in a way forced to please and say yes and get all the opportunities and, you know, you got to build your resume and you need to have res life experience and conduct experience and, you know, wellness and all the other different functions of student affairs, but it's okay to have your niche. It's okay to say no to things. Um, I was blessed to have a lot of supervisors who understood that I was a student first um, before I was their intern or their grad assistant. And even within them, they really helped me <laughs> see how much was on my plate and how much I was doing and that it's all right to step back. 
And I think that really helped me on the gra- on the uh, job search, excuse me. Um, I said no to a few positions before the pandemic. And in that time where I was stuck, you know, I was really beating myself up. Oh my gosh, you said no to a full-time position. What's wrong with you? But it didn't feel right. And I, I wasn't ready to go to that, either that institution or that office. And I, you know, maybe the values didn't line up with my values. Um, so just being intentional, making sure you get what you need um, to have those experiences and skill sets by the time you graduate, but also to know that not every campus is for you and you're not for every campus. Thank you. The value of the fit is very, um, is very important. Yes. Um, on both sides. And, um, yes, I often do tell, uh, graduate students, it isn't, it isn't just them, you know, the campuses and in, in, interviewing you, you're interviewing them and it has to be a fit on both sides. It really does. So thank you. I love that. The power of the intentional. Yes. That's, that's a great note, um, for us to kind of, to close and wrap on. So thank you so much, Alex. Thank you for being on the show today and sharing your experiences as a graduate student and a new professional during this pandemic. Yeah, thank you. This was really great. And I think just to have this time to reflect was so beneficial and so fun for me too. Great. Thank you. I'm Dr. Dana Malone. This is The Academic Life, and you've been listening to New Books Network. Please join us again.